Hi everyone, I'm Paul Tucker. I'm the Head of Growth and New Markets at Orange and welcome back to another episode of the Beyond Mindset podcast. Um, really excited today to uh, introduce our guests, but I'd also like to welcome my colleague, Head of Innovation uh, and Digital and Data, uh, Simon Bryant. Thanks, Paul. It's great to be back here together with you again and to have a new guest on our podcast, Connie. It's wonderful to have you. I'd introduce uh, you as Vice President and Head of IT for Incitech Pivot in APAC. We're going to look forward to hearing uh, about what it is that you do with Incitech Pivot, um, but also your, uh, your passions and purpose in leveraging your job, your role, technology um, in taking us beyond. Great to be here. Thank you. So before we jump in, um, just wanted to uh, welcome any new listeners or viewers, obviously, to this video as well, um, and to give you a, a little overview of what we're hoping to achieve in this series. So each episode, we will bring a thought leader or an insightful industry guest uh, from across our networks uh, to share their personal experiences in the IT industry. And we're hoping these conversations really uh, unveil and explore uh, the Beyond Mindset and what our guests hope for the future and how IT sparks their fire but also shows them a way forward in terms of how we can improve uh, what the future looks like. Uh, so without further ado, uh, let's get on with it and um, have a chat with Connie, who I must declare is not only a former client but also a former colleague. So we've been in the trenches together, Connie, quite a while. We have. Absolutely. I think you have lots of stories to tell, Connie. Yes, right. <laughs> they are. Um, so let's stick with the script, shall we? Yeah, thanks, Paul. Uh, so, uh, Connie, from, from prior conversations that we've had, uh, it sounds like you're someone who's in the, the wonderfully fortunate position of, of having a, a job role that lines uh, really neatly and closely to to that which you love uh, doing your passion and kind of purpose uh, in life and work so I'd love to hear um, more a little bit about that just by way of context setting so could you tell us uh, a little bit about Institec Pivots? Yeah yeah uh, so I'm VP of IT for Asia Pacific and what that what that encompasses really is taking care of all the business technology strategic direction for the explosives business in Asia Pacific because we have done in, in Americas as well and also the fertiliser business which is uh, based only in Asia Pacific but we have a very global presence at Institute Pivot and you know we are uh, in the mining space and, and explosive space and also in the nutrients or fertiliser space so um, the technology needs are extremely stimulating because it's, it's your normal day-to-day operating systems and upgrades and your application landscape and all of that. But then there's a lot of really interesting chain of responsibility and other areas of regulation that fold straight neatly into technology as being the enabler. So um, from a day-to-day -day basis, I can be involved in anything from, 
you know, a system going down, which happens at any organisation, or you might be involved in something around track and trace or chain of responsibility and following where a product goes. So as we saw recently in Lebanon, uh, the insufficient management of such uh, an, an explosive substance being just fertiliser um, is quite uh, dangerous. And so chain of responsibility in Australia does mean that technology is used to trace uh, how your product is delivered to a farmer, something as simple as that. Right. So, yeah, technology for Intertech Pivot is is very wide-ranging. It's not just like a shopping cart. Well, it is, but you can't really just order explosives online, right? So it's, <laughs> it's a little bit different. <laughs> yeah. well, I, you know, listening to you speak, obviously your, your, um, your role gives you a, a perspective um, that many of us don't have in terms of what's going on in, in the world around us. Uh, I mean, my world is often just uh, what, what's uh, our premier going to be telling us this week in terms of what we can and cannot do. What is it that you're seeing in terms of how your world has changed uh, in the last six months? What are some of the insights, perspectives? Uh, you could share that's with a us? really good question. I think for us, we're an essential service in mining and, and the fertiliser business enables our farmers to get soil onto our plate, to get food on our plates, right? So where our farmers are growing the food that we eat. And so we are, we are business as usual, somewhat. We are still threatened by the pandemic and the economic climate, though. I wouldn't say we're immune from that. Um, we are dictated by commodity prices all the time. Yeah. So it is hard for, for Institute Pivot, and um, that, that is challenging. But the last six months has seen us move our entire workforce globally, like everyone else home, set up the entire workforce over a weekend to work from home like we've all been doing since the first week of March. And we've also seen uh, our cyber security threats become more of a focus. So when it comes to IT, uh, cyber training, cyber education, phishing training, all of that is more part of my world now than it was seven months ago. Yeah. Definitely a big change for us all. Thank you. Thinking about what it is that you do in terms of the role that you have, um, we obviously all bring uh, our person, the human of us to, to our, our work. Um, what, is, what is it that lights your fires, Connie, um, your passion, the, your purpose, uh, and how does that relate uh, to the work that, that you do with Intertech? Yeah, I, look, I think I'm fortunate to be in an industry that I find interesting and you know we're feeding the world and we're we're in we're in both obviously the 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 mining industry explosives industry and um and agriculture industry can't live without us so i do get excited by that because without both the explosives business and our agronomy business um, those types of activities you know we can't live without them i mean i know there's a lot of contention around some of those activities sometimes, but they are truly um, essential activities that are required to feed us and and produce metal and iron ore and whatever that is. But, you know, that is exciting. You know, agri agri agronomy and agriculture really excites me. Uh, I, I, have a, I was raised on a farm, so I suppose it's in my blood a little bit. But agronomy being the science and technology of producing and using plants in agriculture for food, uh, that's, we, we should all be interested in that. And I think that 
that is becoming a focus for many of us, particularly at the moment in our new world. Yeah. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. Uh, it's great to hear that you um, have that background and, and history with, with that and the connection that that, that brings in, in your workplace. As you were talking there, I mean, I, I have to ask you the question because I'm sure our, our listeners and viewers will ask this. It's almost like this. You know, you've used the words or the phrases quite quite a couple, a few times now of, of fertilizers and explosives. <laughs> it's kind of like almost like a bipolar business that you're in. <laughs> Uh, how do you how do you deal with that? Um, you know, as a business, but also in in terms of as a person, as a human, um, dealing with you know, how do you come to terms with both aspects of your business? Yeah, look, I think. Um, do you mean more the explosive business or the fertilizer business? Well, it's kind of like having to deal with both, right? It's sort yeah. of almost this. Yeah, as I said, it's you know, it comes across you know to the to someone who's not familiar with the business, almost as being a bit bipolar. You're either blowing stuff up. Yeah, uh, putting food on the plates you know how does that how does that work on a day-to-day -day basis yeah look it, honestly to work with people that can determine the type of explosives that you use and how much um how much the environment and the dust that it creates and how big the rock formation is at the end it's Honestly, it really is quite a talent. Um, the intellect in the explosives business is unbelievable and the technology, without giving too much away, the technology that our company does there, it, it's really, I mean, without that, you don't get iron ore, right? I mean, you, you need to use explosives to, to release some of this activity that, that we enable. But, you know... Um, the way in which we use explosives and and also the way that our company nurtures the environment and that sounds like a double-edged sword there but you know you have to remember what your environmental footprint is when you're doing this and there's a lot of work that goes into all of that and with the fertilizer industry um, it's the same right we've got to think about the great barrier reef and the runoff that happens when farmers fertilize their land there's so much more than just selling uh, a product and using it. Um, it's really fascinating. And there's a lot of R&D in the background here as well. Mm. And that's, that's an exciting area mm. I'd like mm. to explore a little bit more is your passion for agronomy and some of the exciting ways that you're seeing technology being able to be applied for that, um, for our children, I guess, and the, and the future of the planet, because there's certainly an element here that we need to think about in terms of sustainability. Um, and it's even more so a huge topic of discussion around boardrooms, but also within the technology community about how we provide that for, for the future generations. Mm -hmm. um, without giving anything away, can you give us a sense of some of the, the futuristic aims of, of the agronomy space and, and how you're seeing technology be applied there? Yeah, I, I think one of the things that comes to mind when we think about future, and if I leave climate change outside of it, because that's a big piece in itself and it is very real, but it's, agronomy is our, it's our food chain, it's soil to plate. Um, an area of focus is soil health. In today's world, particularly with the pandemic, we did see a lot of people start growing their own food. We want to know more about the food we eat its origin, the type of chemicals that are being used to nurture and grow our produce before we eat it. Um, there's now, you know, a real focus on that. And I think, the pan I think it was there anyway, but I think the pandemic has allowed us all to really think about things more deeply. 
This is now all enabled with digital transformation. Data is a key component and technology makes a really big difference. I mean, we have 30 years, and if you think about that, 30 years of agronomy data. Mm. Think about what that data looked like 30 years ago. We have 30 years of trending of soil health. Wow. It's so powerful to actually use that for agronomists to study what's happening in our soil, climate change activities, whatever that is. But data, you know, data is a really big part of that. And that's where technology, there's a real pivot now. Technology is not just about building a laptop and, you know, putting on, you know, an operating system. It's so huge. It's, we used to call everyone digital companies because, you know, post my, my, you know, um, I suppose the biggest transformation I did for West Farmers and Coles being the online shopping experience you know, that's a digital transformation and building an online shopping cart. We're no longer just digital companies. We're actually all data companies. Everyone has a plethora of data. Hmm. Yeah. I think it's fascinating as well because the, the shift that we're all sort of trying to grapple with at the moment is, yes, we've all got that data, but what do we do with it and how do we make it useful and yeah. how do we make the, the insights that we can gain from that data impact business business decisions. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you talk about the 30 years of, of soil data. Um, how do you use that? What what's that what's what's the advantage of that for, for your end customer and, and for the markets that you serve? Yeah, some of our agronomy community uses that data ongoing. There are some really very rich case studies that still get used. Going forward, um, our soil health data what it does, it's a bit like going to the doctor and getting a blood test and then you get your results and you need to understand what to do as a result of that blood test to get better or to treat a deficiency of some description. That's what soil health and our soil testing does. Mm. So you test the soil and then you basically give it a prescription and all that data is collated. And then, so what we have is business rules around that. So you need, you have this deficiency in your soil. Um, if you add this, it will get better. But on top of that, uh, our agronomists are very, very intelligent. They can also help with more around, well, you grew tomatoes yesterday. If you want to grow zucchini tomorrow, do this. If you want to turn your farm into um, another type of vegetable, do this. And so that's where soil health and the data comes in really handy because the data gets used to manoeuvre and massage where a farmer wants to go. And how are you seeing an organisation like Intertech Pivot um, using that data? Because I guess there's advancements in technology that allow people to be more real-time, um, but also to gain insight. Is, is that an area of excitement for the organisation and for yeah. you? Absolutely. I'm currently designing a digital transformation based all around that and obviously process improvement as well. But yes, um, the basis is to leverage our data because data is our competitive advantage. So use that more and, um, and, and, and analyse that data more to understand the types of products that our farmers, our dealers and our growers all need. Yep. You think back to um, some of the days that you were being raised on, on a farm, Connie, can you sort of anchor that in, in the experience of the farmer? I mean, how, you know, if, if you had either 
small, large uh, farming conglomerate, what would they, based upon your experience yourself, mm -hmm. be looking um, for you to do with, with the data and the technology that you've spoken of? What, yeah, I think what would that yeah. give them for the future? Yeah, it's a really good question because if I think about my family and some of them are still on vineyards um, and all around Victoria and, and outside uh, Victoria, but, you know, some of it was gut feel, some of it was just the way you grew up. Um, some of it was organic farming that is extremely trendy right now. And I used to look at some of my family members and think, you are crazy. Like, what? why would you do that? Like, it's just bizarre. But some of it's very real and it's all back in fashion and it's now factual. So when you look at what, you know, I don't know if you know much about biodynamic farming and all that, but, you know, things like filling a bull's horn up with some type of nutrient and putting it at the edge of the, um, at the, edge of the patch at, I don't know, the turn of the moon or something weird like that. We now have data that says if you do things like that, you can be a certified organic farmer. You know, like it's just you look at it and you just go, they were not crazy. Yeah. They knew. We don't know how they knew, but they knew. But now we're using the data to back it all up. Um, and it does get, you know, it does get uh, grey sometimes. But, you know, it's, it, it really is quite amazing that we're validating the old-fashioned ways of farming just by using data. Um, and they were still right and some of it was gut feel. Um, I don't know how they did it, honestly, when I look at what we do today and, and how my dad survived well, I don't know how they did it, but but because it's so much, there is so much at your fingertips now. I mean, we've got farmers using data in real time, in tractors, putting a USB in, and as the tractor moves along, it uses some infrared technology. It looks at the soil, mm. it analyzes the soil, it quickly determines what the soil needs, and it presses the right valve to give it what it needs. You know, that's pretty amazing. <laughs> that is very cool. Mm. One of my uh, one of my favourite movies is a, is a movie called The Good Year. It's about a, um, a vineyard and the owners of the vineyard in in France somewhere. And uh, the vineyard uh, sings to his vines, and he's convinced <laughs> that this is going to be the thing that produces good grapes. So it sounds like you would have the the means to to measure whether that's a successful farming yeah. practice these days. Yeah, yeah, and the yield, right? Yield's a big yeah. deal. You know, if I use your, if, you know, instant pivot fertilizers, if I use these products, can I measure my yield? Does my yield get better because I use these products and because you tell me how much to use and when to use it? You know, there's all of that. So, and yield, farmers, yield is a farmer's best friend, right? Yeah. It's, it's, it's how they survive and make their money. Um, yeah. Hearing you speak as well, kind of, kind of reminds me of one of the um, the big projects and initiatives that Orange have on the go in Europe, whereby we're a part of um, a a movement, an organisation um, of of a number of major um, enterprises in Europe, uh, bringing data from um, from various sources, uh, satellites. Um, any air, water, ground um, measurements, sensors and devices, and is, is making that data freely available um, via a, a platform uh, to, to those farming, farming business, agricultural businesses. Do you see uh, anything like that? Are you um, here uh, in our region developing? Are you a part of any of those kind of initiatives? Yeah, we get approached for our data all the time because we've got the richest data in Australia, to be yeah. completely honest. We are 
partnering and thinking about that, but we, we have to be quite careful because it is our competitive advantage yeah. and we're trying to use some of it for our own purposes. But some of it does feed into, like, a you know, Institute Pivot for years has been part of one of the universities, I think it's University of Queensland and University of Sydney possibly, where we've got data that, that has helped there. So, yeah, I think we've just been quite selective though as well because once you give your data out to the yeah. ether, what is it being used for yeah. uh, is probably the question. Mm. Yeah, it's a tricky balance. It is actually a tricky balance, particularly yeah. now. Yeah. 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 And also the, the changing or the evolution of commercial models um, and associated risk with commercial models is, is going to be driven by data. Uh, and I think that's a, not only a fascinating area to explore, but, but also considering the heritage of the data that you have, yeah. um, it is a, a, at a critical juncture for, for mm. as well. Yeah. Um, I'm interested in something you, you mentioned before about, um, and I don't know if this was your language, but the the where food comes from and the and following the the food um, production chain. Mm. Is that a frontier you think we're ready for? Is it something you're seeing just generally uh, an area of opportunity? Um, how do you feel about that? Yeah, I think it's both. I was in the FMCG industry when the uh, country of origin legislation came into Australia as a result of the Nana's Berries incident. And that was quick and it was out there and it, it resulted in retailers and growers having to spend an enormous amount of managing on, on packaging. And that's where data comes in again, because when your truck pulls up to site and you grow perhaps three of the four vegetables in a packet and you need to stipulate where you know the fourth or the fifth vegetable comes in depending on the mix um, and your packaging has to change you know change on the fly and your data has to be up to date to deal with that um, that's just country of origin legislation if uh, soil to plate legislation comes in and people want to know about the chemicals that are used in the soil to grow their foods and some people you know there are claims out there around well if you use this does it give you cancer and you know there's lots of that around if that does come in, growers will need to stipulate the chemicals that are used on their farms. And then that would need to follow through onto all of our packaging. That's from seeing country of origin uh, and what that did in the FMCG industry, to take it to the next level, if we, do, if we have to do that, mm. um, it's huge. And that's part of the digital transformation that I'm running at the moment is to think about that before we need to, because that's, um, sugar farmers are already doing that. They, they have to actually stipulate what they use. I'm not sure why they use, uh, but they're doing that already. Um, if every farmer has to do it, I mean, that's, that's enormous. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you see as the next sort of frontier for, for your industry? Um, what's the, mm -hmm. the next hurdle that needs to be overcome for it to sort of take that step? I think if you're not thinking about data and analytics, you better get a move on. <laughs> Um, you know, it's reporting data and analytics has to be on the front of every strategy. Uh, if you're not thinking about that, you're not arranging your data in a way that can be used effectively. And that's, that's data governance altogether. I mean, you need to be very careful about that because everyone's got data, but if you, if you don't cleanse it and you're not thinking about that before a program of work, it's very hard to then get meaningful uh, data out. 
So we've now got data at our disposal. It's, it's, there's so much of it. We're talking about, you know, data lakes. We're now talk, talking about digital twins. The challenge is setting yourself up for success with the right data governance so that you can use data as your competitive advantage and getting the right analytics and reporting out so that people have margin reports and um, profitability reports for SKUs and the types of reporting where you can make fact-based decisions in your business because you can now. I mean, you don't have to go by just sales anymore or anything like that. For the last, probably really the last, definitely the last five years more so, it's already been, it was, it was around before then, but now it's stronger. And I, th I think data and analytics um, is a really big, a, a big step change in technology. Um, so I think it's, it's the space to watch. Yeah, big data. We'd, we'd certainly agree with you. And, and there's some insights that you've provided there, Connie, as to uh, the best ways of, of, I suppose, leveraging the potential, yeah. the enormous uh, wealth that's inherent in data, and the data that you have, especially. Um, so data governance is one. Are there any other insights, just considering your business, which would be, um, in a sense, typical of a lot of other businesses that have been around a while, a lot of data um, brought in from various sources, stored in various ways. Um, how do you really kind of drive um, the value when it's needed and where it's needed um, in the most, I suppose, efficient and effective ways to support the transformation journey yeah. that you're on? I love that question because what I would say, and this is where I get a bit nerdy, so I'll try not to get nerdy and technical, <laughs> but um, systems of record people, if you're not defining where your data is and should only live in one place. Stop moving it around. Think about the source. Get a good data enterprise architect in and think about your application landscape and your systems of record and map them. And don't move the data around everywhere. Think about what you're trying to report on and have one source of truth. That's seriously, that's, it's, it's just like data 101. There's too many organisations moving data around. So what happens is you're compromising the quality. Yeah. And, and it's a bit like having um, Excel in many organisations. If Excel goes down, your company goes down instead of your ERP going down, like, you know, Excel is starting to become the forecasting workbooks. You know, everyone's just using Excel. They don't bother putting it where it should be. It's a bit like that. You know, if your ERP or your, your lab data has a specific area where data should live, let it live there. Design your analytics and your insights from the source. Map those systems of record. Move it around somewhat if you need to report on it, but don't move, keep moving it to have different repositories for data. It's very, very dangerous because you want your rich data to be really clean and you don't want it to be in too many places. I love the passion that that brought out. So you're obviously... Yeah. <laughs> yes, it's, uh, it's, an, it's something that I... Well, when you're running digital transformations, yeah. defining of record is a common thing you do yeah. and I don't think I don't think I've seen it done well in many places actually um, it, it just it ends up there's always good intent yeah. and if someone can't get what they want there's another little spot you know and it just it, it doesn't work out well <laughs> thank you beautiful insight mm. if you're thinking ahead um, now in terms of the next six to 18 months technology or a, a future 
or a nascent technology that excites you that might shift the dial for you in terms of your business or, or what you see in the world? I mean, one of the things that came immediately to mind, um, and I know it's a little bit of a buzzword, but blockchain, uh, is that something, or if, if it's not blockchain, what is it for you um, that might be a, an interesting and influential technology shift in the next six to 18 months? Yeah, look, I think there's, there's probably a couple. We have looked at blockchain a little bit. Uh, we've also looked at artificial intelligence, but also automation and robotic process automation in particular. I think they all have a place. You've just got to pick the right suitability, the, the right capability for what you're doing, rather than play in the space because it's trendy is probably the only thing I would say. Um, you know, I, I think, you, I think you, AI... You're not yeah. going to run your business based on the, the Gartner hype cycle? Is that what you're saying? Right. Yeah, that's right. I think, <laughs> I, I think it's right. I mean, what was the other one? Bitcoin was the other one, wasn't it? There was a place for that once too. I, I think you've got to be careful you're not doing it because it's, it's a really trendy enabler. You have to start with the business problem statement. And it sounds really old-fashioned. It really does. Start with the business problem statement and what is the problem you're trying to achieve and then look at the technology offering to see which one helps you do it more the most efficiently and gives you greater business benefit. Because if you start to experiment in a technology that's trendy and it takes you five times the time to do it, you just lost your business benefits. <laughs> so you need to partner with the right business and a technology enables you to do it if you don't have the capability, but just always take yourself to a business problem statement and map it out and then use the AI or the blockchain. Blockchain has a, has a place, absolutely, but don't get caught up in the trend. Get caught up in your business problem and what you're trying to achieve and then use the right one because there's so much out there. There really is. That's gold again. Thank you. And that's, I mean, that's what we see and it, it drives successful yeah. innovation as it has to be anchored uh, yeah. in business value uh, and changing the yeah. business value proposition. Thank you. Also that clear definition of what the business problem is that's trying to be solved because yeah. technology can do everything, yeah. but being really true to the, you know, the true to the course of what is the problem we're trying to solve and why and staying focused on that. Yeah. Too often the technology will give you options to solve many other problems and then you've got this blamange of just mess that that has a technology solution that really hasn't solved what you initially set out for. Yeah. So I, I agree, that's gold. Connie, mm. mm. one last uh, question from us. If you, is there a, thinking about the environment that you, you kind of live and work in, an inspirational uh, figure, might be a person, company, an enterprise that you, you look uh, to as, as an example uh, in the times that we live in? Yeah, it's a really interesting question, that one. I've been thinking about this one a bit because, you know, there was the Ubers and now they're not looking so good. You know, I think, um, you know, Uber's not going to do so well with the pandemic is that you're not going to really get want to get in one of those. But I think right now, and I know this is a little bit farm and agronomy again, and it's not intentional, but... I really started to dig deep on this one. Is it, is it aviation? Is it this? Is it that? But if you think about farmers, they are the epitome of using technology and adjusting their world to ensure they make a difference. And if you think about farming 30 years ago and you think about the farmers now and how technical they are, like there's another generation coming up there 
And, and I can't believe sometimes how technical, technical they are. I mean, you know, that some people say, oh, farmers won't use that. Oh, I would just disagree from what I've seen in the last, particularly last two years. Honestly, um, there are farmers with iPads. I mean, there's one company I won't mention, but there's one organisation which is quite amazing who runs, sets up an entire farm and an irrigation system, regardless of what you're growing, and drip feeds fertiliser to plants on that farm from anywhere in the world. Mm. That That is just, you know, you do all the setup up front and then the plants are vertical and, you know, that that's probably in a way helping our climate change too because it's, it's preserving how you grow uh, food in a very small space. But, yeah, honestly, USBs in tractors, soil health, digital farming is the way forward, I think. It, it really is the space to watch. And, and honouring uh, our farmers uh, in the role that they play in all of that is, is what I sense you're saying there as well. They're moving with the times and it's hard for them too. Some of them are still old school and bringing up another generation of farming that perhaps they don't want to be there, but if they're going to be there, they're going to get with it and they're going to innovate and they're going to do more and they're going to do it differently to the way dad and granddad did. And they're going to use everything at their fingertips. You know, John Deere tractors as well. I mean, that's the same. They're just innovating. It's just, I think farmers are, are really quite inspiring and, and they're doing all they can to, um, in our climate, obviously, uh, make money, which is not, not easy on our earth in Australia. It's pretty challenging at the best of times. And feed and feed us. And that's, that's amazing. Mm. Connie, thank you. This has uh, been a wonderful conversation. Uh, you've shared some amazing insights. Uh, and it's wonderful to see your enthusiasm and passion for what it is that you do and how you hope to use that to change our world. Thank you. Easy. You're welcome. Lovely chat chatting with you too. So absolutely, Connie, thank you. Um, I guess for our listeners and our viewers that uh, hope to see this, we hope you've enjoyed the episode um, and we hope that you've learned something because ultimately that's why we've brought the, the leaders within the IT industry um, here to, to talk about the Beyond Mindset and what it takes uh, to, to change the world that we're, that we're living in. Thank you, Connie.